All right, and I do want to say good morning to each of you. Um, I received an email from Nick, I think it was last week, asking if if I would uh, fill in for him, and so I am I am honored to be with you. I know that you all have have been in this series. I think this is your seventh. Um, week. Um, and so this week we are going to be looking at the sixth chapter of Daniel. So if you will turn there, um, just a very, very quick review. The first chapter was actually written in Hebrew, and the seventh one was also written in Hebrew, and the second through the sixth one <clears throat> was written in in. Aramaic, which was the primary language spoken across the Middle East. So if you will meet me in the sixth chapter of Daniel, and we're going to be looking at three different things today. We're going to be looking at deception. We're going to be looking at remaining faithful. And finally, the third one, we're going to be looking at judgment. So I'll give you a second there to meet me. Just a very, very quick intro about me. I, I know some of you, but just in case if you do not know me, I, I am an educator. Right now I am the interim AP at Walter Hill and, and Kittrell Elementary School. Um, and um, I would also ask for your prayers for us at Walter Hill. Um, if, you, if you've seen the news or if you've watched the news, we have lost um, a, few, a few of our staff um, members. Um, whether it be to uh, sickness or other things. So if you would also keep us in your prayers there. Um, it has been a, a very, very difficult month uh, for us. And I also attend here. So that's just a very, very quick snapshot about me. Nice to meet you. Nice to, nice to see you again, Leah. Thank you. Okay, so let's first look at deception, which is found in the first four verses. And it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse 4, At this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption against him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. 
So let's just stop right here. Why do you think they're trying to find things against him? I mean, what, what just jumps out at you? Why do you think that they're trying to find things against Daniel and they actually can't? Right there. Go for it. He's, he's not like them. He's not like them. Let's expand on that. They're jealous. They're, they're jealous and they can't control him. And he was actually about to be set over the entire kingdom. And if I could have a volunteer to read 5 through 8, my voice is going in and out. So if I could have a volunteer to read 5 through 8. These men said, We will never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with his God. So they went to the king and said, The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that you should issue and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days except to you shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, Your Majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians. So what are they trying to do at this point? Kill him. Right there? Kill him. Okay. <laughs> what else? Trap him. Say it again. Trap him. Yes. How? Just take away religious freedom. Right. They say that for 30 days, for one month, you can't pray. I think they know what else to do. I think Leah's right. I think that throughout their jealousy and through him being chosen to take over the entire realm, they don't know. And then they want the king to issue a decree, which is an order, saying that, okay, for the next month, for the next 30 days, you cannot pray. Let's move on. It sounds like they're taking advantage of the king's ego. Yes. Explain that just a little more. Uh, it's like a. It sounds like they were trying to appeal to uh, honoring the king. Uh, a temporary. A month of. You are the only one who may be honored as a, a, a god. And he's the. King, so why would they so much care, I guess, so much about his e ego? Uh, fear, some level. A fear, yeah. Be a tool against him. Yeah. And they might be favorable. The king might be favorable to them. Absolutely. Good job. And if I start to go fast, and if you guys need me to slow down, feel free to, I'm an educator, and so sometimes I get rolling, so just say, slow down some. Okay, if I could also have another volunteer. Yeah, go for it. King Darius put the decree in writing. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him. Did you not publish the decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, 
the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revealed. Okay, so here's where it's really get. Here's where where it really gets real. Now, first of all, does that decree keep Daniel from fo from following it? No. Why do you think that? Why do you think that Daniel, being one of the three that were chosen, was just like, I don't care what he says. I'm still going to do it. Well, he knows that you can't control what conversations you have with God or what thoughts you have. I mean, that's completely independent of the individual's mind. So he's kind of like, you're not going to stop me from having my own, like, <laughs> hanging out with my friend here, you know? I mean... And his faith is more important than that. Faith. What else? I think he's he's seen miracles Andrew. and he's seen amazing things that he's. I'm not going to turn my back on God. I know He's got me through this, even if I get thrown in a lion's den or put to death. Um, I just think that he's seen so many things so far that he's just like, no, God's got this. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I've heard a lot from the, this side of the room. I'm going to start to call on you. <laughs> I'm just joking. So, so when he says, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you would be thrown into the lion's den? It sounds to me like that, and in fact, they are trying to remind the king of the actual order that he put in. Yes? I think the other thing here, too, is Say it again. that Daniel sees this decree and then goes, oh, well, okay, I'm going to keep doing it, but I'll, you know, do it more secretly. Like, he just does the exact same thing he's always done, which is not publicly broadcasting it, but not really hiding it. He's just in his bedroom with his windows open. Someone would have to look in, but anyone could look in and see him. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. It's nice to hear some sound over here. Um, this also reminds me in so many ways of Jesus. When he prays, oftentimes when Jesus prayed, he prayed by himself. Another volunteer. They said to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah pays no attention to you or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the man went to King Darius and said to him, Remember, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. So see, at this point, the king actually wanted to try to rescue him. He couldn't. He couldn't because the order that he had put in place himself, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which is from chapter 5, and I could give you a lecture of the law of the Peds and the Mergens, but we probably wouldn't get out of here for, for, for 
six months. But um, anyway, according to that law, okay, it could not be repealed, which means it could not be changed. Okay, so he had to follow through with the order that he had put in. Let me ask you this. Do you really think that the king wanted to to help him? I think after he saw his determination, he did. Because Daniel wasn't letting anybody stop him. Uh -uh. I mean, deep, deep down, do you really think that King Darius really wanted to help somebody who he was more or less um, asked to issue this decree based upon the law, but do you really think he wanted to help him? That's an awesome answer, by the I way. I think so, because I, I mean, Daniel had helped him himself, mm -hmm. so they kind of, I'd like to think, become friends and had a mutual respect for each other. Absolutely. So. I think he admired Daniel. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he learned a little bit too late that his actions have consequences. Which is where they we're going. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Next volunteer. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in his anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? You know, this is also one of the parts of that story that we've all heard, or most of us have heard since we were kids. That the king couldn't sleep. He kept tossing and turning, and at the first sign of light, he had gotten up and immediately went down. That really, really strikes me because the king, I think, at this point, actually, I think that the king knew all along that he had made a mistake. And now he can't sleep. He's tossing and turning. At the first sign of light, he jumps up out of bed, he runs down, he lets. Daniel out. I'm, I'm getting just a little bit ahead of myself, but how is that true in our own lives? How is what the king is going through right now in the middle of his sleep, how does that parallel with us in our own lives? I mean, I think he feels guilty. I think he feels. Yeah. I, I think, also think he feels a little foolish mm -hmm. that he I, would let his advisors take uh, hold of him like that. You know, that word, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, he acted a fool, mm -hmm. yeah. and I think that he 
realized it. What else? These are some good answers. Yeah. It seems like uh, when you do right in the eyes of God and you set a really, really good example, people, whether they agree with you or not, will have respect for you and will care about you. Mm -hmm. Because the king, the king obviously doesn't serve this God, Daniel, but Daniel has put forth such an excellent example and done his job, even, even in a government that doesn't agree with his values all the time, he has put forth such good work to honor the Lord that everyone is impressed by him. Absolutely. What else? I think it's, they're not only impressed with Daniel, but through Daniel, then they have this measure of respect for what kind of God is Daniel serving. That mm. a man that I have the amount of respect for Daniel would, would continue to have a God that they serve this much. And so then through Daniel, they have a respect for God, even if they didn't know anything about God before. Absolutely. Any others? All right. Next volunteer. Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me, because I was innocent in his sight, nor have I done anything wrong to you. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he trusted in God. Why was no wound found on him? She just read it. He trusted God. It's also he, a miracle they can witness. I mean, that's not realistic. These are animals. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like shattering each other. Right. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I'm an animal lover, but if I'm locked in a den with an animals, I'm out that door. So. Right. So, um, let's let's. Go back to the first part that, that she read. May the king live forever. My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the lions. What does that mean to you? How has God in your life shut the mouths of the lions? That is to say, how has he shut the mouths of people who have tried to be deceiving against you? I think of that verse that says, uh, no temptation has overtaken you, mm -hmm. except, like, there's always going to be a way out, even if it looks impossible. So, like, and no matter what kind of temptation it is, temptation to say something or, you know, do something, whatever, um, there's always going to be that way out. So that can be him shutting mouths of lines, because you see the temptation, but you know that even through a little crevice in the wall, there's a way out somewhere. So that's what it means to me. Mm -hmm. What else? I guess for me, it's yeah. reminds me of like removing people in my life and they like just can lead me down a bad path or just start turning me away from God. Absolutely. Maybe the reason why this person left because God wanted him or her to leave. That person was the God's reasoning. God saw way in the future about how that person can affect how how I live my daily life with God. Mm -hmm. Excellent. What else? 
I don't know. I look at this and think there's some type of maybe a little reconciliation because the king would have been the last person anyone would from you know initially would be the last person that anyone would think would want to save Daniel, and now they have this you know the king's loves Daniel, you know. So I, I don't know. It's just one of those ironic. Wait, aren't they supposed to be against each other? Kind of thing. I feel like maybe they kind of knew that the king liked Daniel and wanted to save him because they went to so much trouble to set him up. Mm-hmm. Reminding the king ahead of time. Lots of it. Yes. They used. You were going to say something. They tried to circumvent the king with a higher law that even he could, even he could uh, object to. I also see it as, you know, sometimes there's going to be people who, ha- who, who come into our lives who are, who are either trying to teach us something or who are, or who are trying to test us about s- s- some, something. And we have to let God do that work. And sometimes it means letting God shut their mouths. Now let's switch gears here, and we are going to come to the end here in just one second. But let's talk about the judgment in Daniel 6. At the king's command... The men who falsely accused Daniel were thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Before they reached the floor of the lion's den, the lions overpowered them, crushing all of their bones. King Darius wrote to all of the nations and the peoples of every language on earth, May you prosper greatly. I I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and Siren the Persian. So just to sum it all up, how does this story end? It ends on an allegory. It does. Uh, The lions were the symbol of the Babylonian Empire. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of people, a lot of power, a lot of reach. They entrapped the Israelites, and even in the midst of uh, great threats, they did their job, they did the right thing, uh, they set a good example, and Babylonians really never could wipe them out. Excellent. Anything else? Yeah. Um, it bothers me just a little bit that he. Uh, through the wives and the children of the men in there too because they had nothing to do with it and that bothered me such a gruesome way to die and throw them in there for not doing anything especially the children I mean they're completely innocent so that bothers me just a little bit sure yeah. the unjust 
their actions have consequences and those around them too. Yeah. Sure. Fall out of their actions. Yeah. Children don't understand too, so yeah. they don't know what's going on or anything. Yeah. Send an example though. It's at an example? Well, that, that seems to be a consistent theme in Babylonian. When when you make the king angry, it's not just, it is. It's not just you, it's you and your family. Yeah. The women and the children too. But, oh, I was just going to say, it shows from a standpoint that, you know, people couldn't say, well, the lions just weren't hungry. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. anything to Daniel. Well, they just weren't hungry. They didn't like the smell. Obviously, they were. Right. <laughs> it, it also parallels back, at least for me, and... Um, is very very thankful that 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 that's not our judgment. Mm -hmm. That we are now under the law of grace. Now, one thing I want to point out before we move on to the next slide. I think that some people get this idea that that Daniel himself was a perfect man. And we know he wasn't, but we know he remained faithful to God, even after the deception and being thrown into the lion's den unjustly. He remained faithful. And then in the end, that's what saved his life. Now, so here are some questions relevant for today. Nick had some of the, these. I, I, I added some myself and, and I sort of changed some of them up. We're, f we're friends though, so he won't mind. Um, so, so let's just be real here. Do you believe that God is actually active in this messed up world? I'm going to move around some, so I'll, I'll mask up. He's never not been. Explain. Yeah, he's never not been. He's never not been. He's never not been. He promises to be alongside us. Uh, part, of, part of his description of himself and God being God is being present everywhere mm -hmm. being active I mean the Holy Spirit lives in us and so I think as long as the church is in the world so is God Amen anything else I think uh, God does a lot behind the scenes like you know he's he cares about our individual needs so like the people that you think are the farthest from God I mean, he's working on them, too, but you just can't see. Right. So. Yeah. Anything from this side of the room? <laughs> okay. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? I think this is something that we all ask. When I, when I hear this, I always think, so when yeah, you're forging a sword, there's a process called quenching. Mm -hmm. You dip it into uh, oil or cold water, and it puts the most strain and stress on the metal, and it can cause it to crack. 
But if it doesn't, it becomes stronger than it was before. And so I like to think of it like that. Excellent, yeah. yeah. Um, also, God didn't make us like puppets like, or robots or anything like that. He gave us the choice, let us choose um, good or evil. He let us make that decision. And so when we chose, when we made the, the wrong decision, I mean, it opened up everything else. And so it's um, not really God making anything happen to us. He's actually giving us the free will to choose. And Absolutely. that's actually a, a good thing, but it has bad consequences sometimes. Absolutely. Free will means the freedom to make the wrong decision. Yes. Yeah. Good people is not found in the Bible. I mean, like, good people to whose standard? You know? Right. The world? I mean, so what? Good people means maybe you just go to church on Sunday, you know, you hear, you know, good girl, good boy, you go, you know, there are no good people because we all are simple. So I just, I hate that question because the world just is like, <laughs> it's a hard one. Yeah. The world thinks you give and you receive and that's not how it works. I mean, the only thing we're really promised in receiving, I think is, is heaven as long as we follow a righteous light a righteous path but to me it's such a spiritual answer that the world doesn't understand because I've been you know approached with this and it's just this world was never meant to be perfect and you know there's no promises that you're not going to experience hardship in life and I mean you have some people that don't care a thing about God but they live pretty good I mean doesn't mean that no one is exempt from challenge, mm -hmm. you know. And plus, a lot of, you can't help how someone else's sin affects you. And a lot of people think, oh, I've got my own sin, it's fine, you know. Mm -hmm. But see, like these women and kids, their sin affected them too. It's like a trickle effect. I mm -hmm. mean, we're all, we are all affected by each other's sin, whether we know it or not. Absolutely. I have a couple notes on this from First Peter 4 um, from a couple weeks back that reminded sure. me. Sure. Um, I wrote, you know, it says, Our faith will be tested. Um, if you have experienced trials and struggles, let them push you further in your faith and towards God. Um, your trials build your testimony. They allow you to better relate and sympathize with other people. And they reveal the glory of God and His plan for you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Anything else on the second one? It's a hard one. And it's asked often. And like Leah said, I, I mean, what, what does good mean? You know? For the sake of time we'll move on three with all these crazy events lately what do you think is God up to anyway I mean we're in the middle of a health care crisis we have racial in in Justices. We have all kind of stuff. I mean, I could keep on going, but 
with all of these crazy events, what do you really think that God is up to anyway? Well, I mean, right now the church is declining in America, but in other parts of the country it's growing more than ever. And so I think that's something that we should be thinking about a lot. Because when we think about it as a whole, we think of our perspective. And our perspective is, in America, yes, it is declining. But if you take the whole world, it's growing more than ever. Well, like, we may not know. This might be a really weird analogy. We may not know what he's, like, up to, Mm -hmm. I guess. But, like, I kind of like to think about it, like, if, if you like in terms of like a woman giving birth like whenever she's going through it it's like really painful and sometimes it can be really difficult but then afterwards you get a baby and mm. so it like adds a whole new element that's good to the life so um, I also think God is teaching Americans how to um, rely on him because I think a lot of Americans forget that because we're a rich nation and we have a lot of good things going for us and I think sometimes we forget that and we think you know the only reason I have what I have is because of what I do this job that I have that I make all this money well, this is telling you that you're not in control like we think that we are you know he's showing us I'm the one that's in control and you have to rely on me you know you think you're doing all this but I can take it away like that and so I think he's just kind of showing us that and reminding us of that because I think we've kind of forgotten that in America. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely we have. Important to know that like nothing's new to God. Okay, so this is crazy, yeah, but it's nothing God's not seen or handled. I mean, you look at the world before Christ and how messed up it was, and it was not even. I mean, today's world looks pretty nice compared to <laughs> compared to the compared to. Like, the, I don't want not seeing. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it, you know, and it's like there's no new sin. So you just think of all the, all the just chaos before Christ, and then God gave a Savior out of that. If God created this beautiful story of that, I mean, think of what he can do with just today's stuff that it's just like, no, what, I mean, this is not the worst of it, y'all. Which you don't want to think, wow, it's going to get worse. But <laughs> it's just, like I said, this is not, it's not... What am I going to do about this? You know, God's not perplexed by what's going on. You know, so it's just important to remember that he's got it because he's already done this stuff. Mm -hmm. I think to see how Christians act, like with all these crazy events, how they respond to all this. Like whether they will... Oh, whether they're either turning to, towards God or whether they're turning towards Satan. And it seems like, because some Christians probably, even during, during, during this whole pandemic, they'll probably be like, maybe really kind of lost their sense of God because with like before how churches weren't being open or everything like, everything like that. But they kind of lost, the, lost their sense of like their faith in sort of ways or maybe this with the whole pandemic trying to teach, maybe redirecting those people who were Christians who lost their faith before slowly but turning it going back to God because there might be someone in their family who let's say that the, the mom's a Christian but the dad's not and then the mom wants to go to church every single Sunday and the dad just stays home but now there was the whole pandemic everyone's stuck forced to be stuck in their houses then maybe mom can like use that time to like really Strength her faith, and then it, and then in return, 
show show her her husband how God helped her through that 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 through the pandemic. That whole family can be Christians or be saved. And I think that we've also seen that because for so long we we actually weren't able to come actually into church together. We were all at home and 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 like you were saying i do think that a lot of families really really saw um how much that they really really needed that time to be together and not separated they really really needed to be together and to dive deep into the word and to grow their spiritual life. Some of them found out that um, life was hard when they were all together stuck inside of the house all day. So I think that those realizations, I, I hope, helped them just like you said, strengthen their faith. And as I hope it did for all of you, it hid me, and I can't stand being at home. Ah. I mean, for long hours. <laughs> All right, last last one. So, what should my response be? I think your response should always be what's always supposed to be: draw as close to God as you can, spread the Holy Spirit, and just go out into the world. Okay. God's bigger than everything. So how do I show the world that? By how he's bigger than everything. Mm -hmm. uh, by uh, being an example, like going to church, uh, telling stories about how he was good to you and how he overcame. Uh, just by being faithful. Faithful, yeah, good. You oh, had your hand up. Yeah, he said he said my answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess uh, be like Daniel. I mean, everything got turned upside down in the Babylonian exile. Uh, just the answer stays the same. Just adapt to adapt to circumstance. Yeah. Um, kind of. Well, God already knows what's going to happen, and like He knows how it's going to go, and so we're just called to be light. So we just have to do the right thing and not give in to the evil and corruption of the world and just set that example for everyone else. I think it's a really good opportunity for us to be able to share God with others just because a lot of times when people are Christians are very closed off in America about learning about him, but I think with all the crazy going on, they're more open to it because they're was, looking for something to feel whatever's going on. I was going to say, I think that we've really, really been given a unique assignment in this season that we've never, at least in, in our lifetime, that we have not been heaven and I think it's what you just said I mean different avenues of sharing Jesus with a lost world and I think going along what she said not really like how go how about going about you know reaching people who are not Christians you don't really don't really shove Jesus down their throat per se like maybe have a discipleship discipleship relationship like what I usually do, I would, I would usually um, become their friend, get to know them, and like really build that friendship before I even 
kept talking about Christianity because if you just talked about, oh, let me tell you about Jesus, about, like I said, some people who are non-Christian may be burned off, burned off by the church and have a very bad negative, imp, negative impact of the church. But if you just start by building a relationship, like being friends and getting to know them, and then slowly but surely adding Jesus into the mix, they don't feel like that they're pressured to know about God, but they're but you're like they're not really pressured, but you were generally they're generally curious about it, or they might they might have questions about the like, or they may even ask questions. Why are you so happy all the time? Why are you so why why did you do this 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 and this? And then you can slowly make that conversation to be well the reason why because I have God, and then they're like what is that? Let them ask the questions, not you asking them questions. And then right. Before I read what our principle of today's lessons is, use your social media mm -hmm. for good, positive things, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I don't even know what all is out there. I had a first, I had a first grader run up to me the other day and say, Mr. Hover, I, I've had a Snapchat. I said, honey, you aren't even old enough to even know what that means. But use that platform for good because that's something that you have. Because we have different avenues. Now I, I believe that we have, have been given of sharing Jesus and the story of Daniel's faith. All right, so the principle for today is in an ungodly culture, some people will isolate, persecute, and conspire against us. Others will notice our godlike qualities and learn to praise the God Almighty. Thank you for um, listening. Thank you for your patience today. I'm I'm sorry, I'm four minutes um, over. Nick is Nick is my friend, so 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 we're we're good. Um, Ed, would you mind uh, leading us in a prayer? Father God, we're honored to be in your presence this morning. We're thankful for your son Jesus and we praise you as, as our living God who uh, has a hand in everything that we do. And we ask this morning um, as we leave church and we go into the world that um, you pick us up when we fall and you keep us to reminding us that we have one goal and one job and that's to serve you. I'm thankful for everybody in this class. I wish for uh, success in school. Uh, and the relationships that everyone has, and again, help us to keep you first. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. If I can, if I can ever help you, you let me know.